Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is our, well, no, this is not our weekly Cyberpunk Red gameplay. This is my little one-shot campaign builder stream. Uh, first off, let's make sure that I'm not muted or frozen. Everything sounds and looks good to me right here sitting in front of the camera, but chat, let me know if I'm muted or frozen or anything's wrong. I'll get that fixed right away. Um, what's up, Lone Jedi? See that you're there in chat. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for rolling out uh, nice and early. I don't know if you saw the promos. This is going to be a special uh, sort of live stream episode. Uh, Savage McNavage, yo, what's up? Um, yeah, some of our team could not make it today for the stream. And uh, hey, Bronx Smash says, sounds and looking good. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, some of our team could not make it. And uh, me personally, like anytime that, that sort of thing happens... Um, I would rather do like a special episode or skip it. I hate skipping, uh, you know, sessions and stuff, but I even dislike more so to run a session missing a particular player or character. I don't like to kind of wing it, uh, making the character like an NPC or, um, you know, just pretending they're not there or following. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've done it before. I've had monthly streams. Uh, you know, where I would much rather go without one of the players uh, than skip it because of it being a monthly. I don't want to have that much of a gap in between streams. But typically, I would rather not stream normal gameplay if uh, one of the players or any of the players are missing. Uh, and that was the case today. You know, some of them are over at PAX and we didn't want to miss out on streaming today. So I figured let's do a special, special session uh, with just me going over campaign building. Um, I thought of this idea for a few reasons. Uh, lately, I've been getting a lot of, I mean, a lot of messages, some tags too, uh, about my recent 10th uh, season here at Sirenscape, um, our recent campaign, My Wooden Pony. Um, the last few uh, seasons have been kind of chaotic and crazy dealing with Arasaka and um, this last campaign. I went pretty epic. I'm not going to mention it right here because I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't gotten a chance to see it. If you didn't see the live, check out the VOD on the Sirenscape YouTube. Um, as I said, I went pretty epic with it. Uh, went kind of crazy. Uh, I know a lot of people got teary-eyed, cried a few times at different scenes, things that happened, and then a crazy plot twist at the end that involved uh, previous seasons as well. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, but anyways, uh, because of that, I got lots of messages, people uh, you know, complimenting on that, um, just different uh, uh, ideas and questions based on that, that campaign and the way I structured things. And, um, and then I got some questions about my GM Tips series, where I have a quick campaign builder episode and different campaign building episode 
um, sort of focal point in that series as well, um, you know, about that. So I figured if I'm getting all these questions, getting all these, these hit ups and stuff and DMs about this, uh, let's do a special stream. Uh, instead of canceling today, missing some players, let's do a special stream where I go over my campaign building process. Um, I've got a little six a sort of six-step process I'm going to go over. Um, it's also covered in my quick campaign building episode on the GM Tips uh, series on Cybernation Uncensored's YouTube. But uh, in this one, I'm going to do a much deeper dive on campaign building. I'm kind of going to explain it a little better. And then I'm going to give you some free assets. I've got a few uh, free assets to help your gameplay, uh, a quick campaign builder, uh, something to help you increase your GM skills. And then I'm going to give you a free consultation. Um, but I'm going to go over all that a little bit later. So definitely stay tuned. Let's go over the campaign building, um, and then I'll give you all the free stuff uh, once I get through it. Um, but before I dive into campaign building, let's do like I always do. Let's go around the table. Let's all introduce ourselves. Tell people where you know you can find us online, and uh, introduce your character. All right, that was a little odd. I'm just so used to saying that, so I figured let's go for it. Anyways, I'm Rob Mulligan. I'm typically the game master here for Sirenscape. I run the Cyberpunk Red gameplay every Thursday. It's weekly. Uh, we're all the way up to season 10. And um, aside from being the game master here, I'm also the founder of CyberNation Uncensored. Check out CyberNation Uncensored on both Twitch and YouTube. I would really appreciate the follow and the subscribe. Um, also, check out CyberNationUncensored.com. We're getting ready to revamp the whole site. Uh, but you can still check it out in current form. We have a bunch of free gaming assets, uh, links to all of our communities. Uh, on social media sites. Uh, we have a really active Discord, uh, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you see uh, social media sites, you can find CyberNation Uncensored. I would really appreciate the support. We have tons of gameplay. It's not just me. We also feature other game masters, um, other content creators. Lots of new streams and series have started up this month in October. So make sure you check it out and join us over there. I also want to announce um, official partnerships. Uh, you know, got some new partners in here. I know you might have heard me announcing like Udahime, who's I saw here in chat. Uh, shout out to Udahime. Um, also Maz, uh, Alex. You know, we've got a brand manager. Udahime is our community manager. We have a promotion manager. Uh, well, a couple brand managers. Also Kevin, the Wookie Kev from our community. Um, and then we're putting together a promotions team. If anyone wants to join uh, our promotions team, uh, hit us up in the uh, CyberNation Uncensored Discord. But we've been expanding, and not just the team, but also partners as far as the team and producers. And uh, we officially uh, brought on Brandon Perkins, who you might know plays Rush in the weekly gameplay, and Rockette Fox, who plays Hades, the Netrunner in our weekly gameplay. Both Rockette Fox and Brandon Perkins have joined CyberNation Uncensored. Uh, like I said, we're expanding. We're becoming a team, uh, lots more content, Lots of big news coming too. Uh, stuff I'm, I'm not going to talk about now, uh, but but join the community, show some support, be part of it. Uh, always expanding and, and pushing forward. Lots of exciting things happening there, and we would love you to be part of it. Um, but before you give me any support on Cybernation Uncensored or any of that stuff, make sure you first give some support to Sirenscape. It's the reason that I'm here. It's the reason our team is here every week, typically playing Cyberpunk. And uh, yeah, it's a great tool for gameplay. Uh, you know, even if I wasn't here streaming and doing the gameplay, I would still be using the tool as, as I was prior to doing this gameplay. Uh, it adds sounds uh, to your streams, to your sessions, your campaigns. Uh, it really makes it immersive, whether you're triggering little one-shot sound effects and stuff or just setting some sort of mood that automatically randomizes that you can just leave playing in the background. Um, it, it's just amazing. And it's free to sign up and get a free trial. So sign up and check it out. You'll get a free trial. You'll see exactly what I'm saying, that it's amazing. You're going to love it. Um, and that, that, hey, what's up, Alex? I just saw you join chat too. Um, 
And Purple Fire Drake played Kira in Team Veritas. But yeah, check out Sirenscape. Like I said, a free trial, and it's all web uh, web browser based now. So you don't have to download a player, no code to your 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 uh, uh, players and characters and stuff. As a game master, you just log into your account, you share the link to all your players, and they automatically hear what you're triggering and playing uh, in their browser. So it, it's super cool now. So just check that out. Uh, and sign up for free. Um, also, shout out to our other uh, sponsors, Fantasy Grounds. Um, and yeah, there, there's a few others uh, here at CyberNation Uncensored. You can check out when you go over to that brand. But um, but yeah, let's see. Uh, oh, Monkey Monkey 3 here. All Rob's games have convinced me to get Sirenscape set up for my upcoming Cyberpunk Red game. Hell yeah, definitely. Get it set up. Like like you see in most of my gameplay, um, you know, I trigger things and do specific sounds at parts of sessions and stuff to kind of enhance the mood and make it as immersive as possible. But um, but also I just leave stuff on loop. Like, you know, if they're rocking around in, in Night City, I'll just put it on one of the cityscape, uh, Night City sound sets and just let that loop. And it never repeats. It constantly varies. And I mean, it just, it's awesome. It's awesome. So as a game master, it's just an amazing tool. I can't express enough how cool it is and like i said i was using it way before i was streaming here and um you know part of the team and now i'm just excited to be part of the team um but i'm still going to talk about how awesome of a tool it is because like i said i use it even aside from being here um, and as you see uh, monkeys three right there says you know they're, they're convinced as well and if you've seen any of the streams you know what i'm talking about it's amazing so just get on it um the king square the awesomeness that is udahime hell yeah give a shout out to udahime she's doing a great job as community manager with CyberNation Uncensored. Um, all right, let's get into it. I think I did enough shout-outs. Um, I do want to mention um, anybody in chat throughout the process of this stream, you have any questions, you have anything that you want me to go over, uh, just drop it there in chat. Um, I'm very, as you see in all my streams, all my series, all my episodes and stuff, um, I'm very interactive with chat. I do everything live. I, I hate pre-recording and editing segments and making it feel contrived. I like doing, you know, like 99.9% .9 of my series streams and episodes and sessions live. I love to just talk off the, the top of my head. I love to keep it real, you know, um, like the kids used to say back in the 90s. <laughs> I like to just, you know, honestly, like I just, I, I just want to be me and talk about what I'm passionate about and what I know about. And I, I always feel in pre-recorded pre uh, sessions and, and um, series and uh, tutorials and stuff come out like that. It, it always feels uh, just a little too con uh, contrived. Like anybody can, you know, pre-read something, then record them speech, you know, saying it, cut, read it again, say it. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, everything has its place, but it, it's not for me. That's why I do all of my stuff live, and that's why we're going to do this live as well. So we're going to go over it, and there will be a VOD. I saw a... a chat in there earlier someone saying they couldn't stick around there will be a vod of this on the sirenscape youtube so make sure you subscribe there um also i want to mention everybody uh watching any of the vod's of the gameplay this series anything that we put out uh here at sirenscape make sure you comment and like the video we would really appreciate that support i also put out all these episodes on the cybernation uncensored podcast so if you if you're listening to this or any of the episodes on the podcast Make sure you leave us, leave us a five-star review. Um, we would really appreciate that to increase the podcast uh, you know, exposure and stuff. Uh, every little bit helps, so please uh, consider that. All right, let's get into it. Like I said, this campaign builder is uh, kind of a deep dive expansion of my original uh, quick campaign builder in my GM Tips series on CyberNation Uncensored YouTube. Uh, so check this out. We're going to deep dive it a bit. Let's get into the six-step process. So when building a campaign... 
Uh, oh, and uh, Medic here, uh, Moog, says, how do you make cyberpunk feel like cyberpunk? I have a complete uh, making it cyberpunk uh, GM Tips episode on Cybernation Uncensored uh, YouTube on the GM Tips series. Check that out. I'm also putting together a making it cyberpunk uh, tutorial video that's going to be part of the Cyberpunk Day uh, uh, streams over there on Cyberpunk Day's channel or whatever. Um, so completely different subject. This is going to be more about building the general campaign that you're going to run as a GM, uh, setting the mood vibe, all that, that's its own beast. We'll have to dive into that, like I said, on that other video or in the upcoming one. So look out for that. Um, but as far as campaign building, the first thing uh, that you're going to want to do, and this is a six uh, part sort of system here. Um, so make your notes if you want. At the end, I'm going to bring up a little overlay with all, all six of these points. Um, so you'll be able to kind of jot them down there or pause the video, whatever you need to do. Uh, but the first part is defining the theme very similar to having a session zero, you kind of want to do that with yourself setting up a campaign. You want to kind of define the theme. Is it going to be, you know, a, a murder mystery? Is it going to be any type of mystery, like figuring it out? Or is it going to be kind of point blank, like go and, you know, steal this item for this corporation or this crime family or this fixer that hired you? Uh, you know, basically define the theme. Is it going to be more like gory and horror and spooky and scary based and more of a thriller? Or is it going to be more action? Is it going to be more like thought, you know, like I said, more like figuring out and solving a crime or solving a mystery? That's what I mean by defining the theme. So define your theme. That'll, you know, put you in the mood. It'll kind of give you a little bit of direction. And then uh, I like to move on to the second part, which is defining the locations. Now, I typically reverse engineer this uh, because I use maps. Uh, I'm sponsored by Low Key Battle Maps as well as Line Banner Games for their maps. And um, sometimes I'll, I'll base my campaigns on what maps I have available, which I kind of reverse engineer. Like, all right, cool. If I've got this laboratory or this corporation sort of a, a you know business building or a warehouse, or I have this park or an outdoor setting or a hot zone, you know, that's what I have to use. I've really been wanting to use this map. Let me build something around that. And sometimes I'll reverse engineer that to where my second step might kind of be my first step. And then I'll move on to defining the theme based on that map. However, not everybody uses maps and I don't every time as well. Sometimes I'll do theater of the mind. So in which case that'll be the, the, the second part to this is defining the locations, whether map based or theater of the mind. Uh, you kind of want to know, all right, this is the theme I'm doing. Uh, it's going to be a mystery or it's going to be all action. It's going to be, you know, just a steal this item, fight your way through. My locations are going to be, you know, this this business, this office building where they've got to go get the information to find out where they're storing this item they got to steal. Um, and I know the the item they got to steal is going to be in this abandoned warehouse out in the middle of the Badlands or whatever. So these are my locations. And you kind of define it. Now you know the areas you have to describe. You know your scenes, basically the scenes that are going to be within your sessions. Then I move on to the third part. I, I describe the key points or plot hooks. Uh, hey, what's up, Quincy? I see you joined us. And uh, what's up, PWB? So how do you define a theme when you don't know the character roles? Um, well, it doesn't really matter uh, to me. I've, I've been able to kind of make any character roles work uh, because most teams are kind of a diverse mix of, of character roles. So don't get hung up too much on that. Um, however, also know that most of the time you're building this campaign, you've already got a team. You know, not a lot of GMs are building campaigns before they're going to use it, unless you're just really ex excited and hopeful that you're going to get a team of players, you know. Um, but most of the time, you've already got your team going. Like like me, I run uh, like five different teams now, if you can believe it. Uh, the past two years, I've run uh, more than a dozen teams, including one-shots. I have over 
200 uh, live stream videos strictly dedicated to gameplay, uh, most of which is Cyberpunk Red, like 90% of it. Um, but anyways, yeah, most of the time you can define the theme easily because you already know what the team is going to be. Like I have a Veritas team, which is they have their own Neo Media Corporation. Uh, the Sirenscape team originally was working for um, the District PD of Upper Marina. Now they're kind of free agents. Um, I have another team uh, that is owned by Raven Micro Cyber uh, Netics, um, so they just have to carry out missions for them. Um, and, you can, and I already know what the roles are. But again, even if you don't, you can still kind of define the theme uh, because any any team mix of a solo, a media, a, a rocker, a this or that, they're all going to have a mix of skills and strengths and weaknesses, and they can tackle a mystery or an action or whatever the theme is set. And um, obviously you're going to diversify your themes campaign to campaign, I would hope. Um, so you're going to touch base on multiple themes over the course of multiple campaigns, and every player is going to kind of get their little time in the spotlight, hopefully. Um, but that's how I would deal with that. And uh, yeah, most of the time you would know. But moving on, I would define the key points or plot hooks. That's my third part. So define the theme, define the locations, possibly reverse that if you're reverse engineering based on what maps you have available. And then the third part, define your key points or plot hooks. So this is kind of where you, you decide what it's about. Like I said, if you define the theme like it's going to be a mystery, it's going to be getting some type of item, uh, I've got these maps, or I, I know I want to do these locations because it's going to be getting that item or solving this mystery. There's got to be a murder here. They've got to get evidence here. Potentially, th these are the locations. Now you're, you're adding your plot hooks. Whatever that is based on, they've got to get this evidence. That's a plot hook. That's going to be over here if it's a murder mystery, you know, if they're solving some type of mystery. If it's an action thing or, or something, they've got to go retrieve this item. Uh, they don't know where it's being stored, but they've got to go to this corporation to get the map there there's another plot hook or your key point they've got to get that map to figure out or that information from that system to f find out that the, the item they're trying to get is stored out here in the badlands in this crazy warehouse this warehouse being one of your locations that you set in part two and now your key points are the item is in that warehouse that they have to get so there's a couple key points the map the item and i'm simplifying this with just a couple things obviously you can make this way deeper or way more simplified, depending on if you're just gonna do a quick one shot or this is just a session build or a full campaign build where you want multiple sessions ongoing, right? Um, so you define your key points or your plot hooks and, and you base those on in the different locations and those are the things that are gonna push the plot forward. So if it's the main plot is they have to retrieve this item, they have to escort this crime family boss or corp guy, right? Um, or they have to, you know, uh, go get this item from uh, this, this corporation or figure out who killed this gang leader or somebody else, right? Whatever it is, you have these key points that push that plot forward, the evidence, the map, whatever things they need to get to the next location or figure out, you know, more of the plot unfolding so they can figure it all out. Um, that's what those plot hooks do. But also, also make sure that they're flexible. And by that, I mean, they can be anywhere. Because you never know what players are going to do. Players, uh, you know, might not go to every location that you have planned. They might not talk to every NPC you built. They might not uh, uncover some of the details. Maybe they had a bad uh, uh, conceal reveal role and they never found the, the hidden map hidden under the desk in a secret compartment or in the safe in the wall or, you know, or they, they couldn't pick lock it in time that police sirens were showing up and they left and ah, they missed out on that. And now they're still digging around out there for some. You have to be prepared to move some plot hooks because... Things are going to happen you're not prepared for, that you're not planning on. If you're a game master, uh, you need to be flexible like that, and your plot hooks should be flexible because full player agency, like they're, they're going to make decisions that you're not expecting. Everyone 
you know, they're, they're going to interpret things their own way. And like I said, sometimes it might just be the way the dice fall, that they just don't succeed at something that they really needed to succeed at to get that little key point or something that pushes the plot forward. So make sure that those things are flexible, that you can move them around. If they don't find that map there and they keep looking, maybe you got to quickly create some other NPC that worked there that has access to that or knows about it that then eventually they find or they go to a secondary location. They think like, well, we didn't get it there, but uh, maybe there's a backup in like, do they have any type of like database storage place for this company where they keep old info? And then as a GM, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, we're going with that. Yeah. In fact, uh, do a library search. Yeah. You found out they do have a storage unit that keeps backup information. See, now you just move that map over to that backup storage facility or whatever. Just make it up, you know? But be flexible. Make sure that those key points and those plot hooks can be moved around. Uh, because, like I said, you, you never know what's going to happen there. Um, let's see. Uh, let me just make sure I don't miss any. I, I don't want to miss any of the chat uh, things here. Uh, what's up, Stink Palm? See so you joined up here. Uh, let's see. He made to be fair. They approached the table first with ill intent. <laughs> oh, you're, <laughs> that's funny. Talking about uh, the, the recent stream uh, with uh, Nevermore. I got into a sticky situation there. That's funny. Uh, absolutely. That was definitely a sticky situation. Um, so yeah, make sure that the plot hooks can move. And you know what, before, before we go any further, let's bring up a little bit, let's get into a night market here. I don't even know why I'm not playing any Sirenscape. I know we're not playing the game, but we can still put up some sounds, kind of set a mood, right? Let's get into, uh, let's go to the night market. Hopefully this isn't too loud for everybody. Let me know if it's too loud. If it's overpowering, uh, overpowering my uh, dialogue here. See, some, sometimes I know the sirens can, can be a bit much. Let's see here. Put those down a little. All right, cool. Yeah, I like that. L little night market uh, uh, sound set there from Sirenscape. So now uh, we'll, have, we'll have the rest of our chat about this campaign at the night market. Um, and again, let me, let me know if it's too loud or you need me to adjust that at all. Um, so yeah, uh, make sure that those plot hooks, that those key points are flexible. You never know when you have to move them based on player agency, so just be ready for that. The next part is you're going to define the NPCs. I mentioned just a moment ago that you never know if a player is going to go to a certain location or talk to a certain NPC. Let's talk about that. Step four, define the NPCs. Once I kind of define the, the general theme, I define the locations that I'm going to put in that theme. Uh, I define the, the plot hooks and the key points that are at the locations or within this theme. Um, and I define the NPCs. Are any of these NPCs a little loud for you there, the Sirenscape? Yeah, let me, I'll pull it down a little bit more. That's fine. Sometimes, sometimes it can overpower a little bit uh, with some of those city sounds. Um, yeah, thanks PWB uh, for the heads up on that. But, um, but yeah, the NPCs basically might be attached to some of those key points. Maybe they're holding some of the information that's pushing the plot forward, or maybe they're just around. Maybe they're, they're just there uh, to make the world realistic. You know, you've got to kind of drop these NPCs around in this world uh, to, to make it real. Uh, you know, the world is still carrying on and it's moving forward around your player characters, around the team. There's still this functioning world going on. So even within your theme, within your campaign and plot, in these locations, even aside from the key NPCs that might hold some of those plot hooks, you've got to have general NPCs just living in the world. You need to make the world real. So that's what I do on step four, is I go through each of the locations, I make sure I cover each of the key points, and, and I'm staying within the general theme, each of the other points up to this point, right? Uh, 
That's where I, I, I basically blanket in the NPCs. I go into each one of those. I drop in NPCs like this location. Well, it's, you know, if they're going to this uh, business complex uh, to capture this guy, uh, you know, there's going to be a receptionist NPC that, that might give them a hard time. And that's the other thing. Remember that these NPCs, they can be friendly. They can offer conflict. Um, and you can do a role on that. I've got a quick decision-making uh, sort of process for that in the GM Tips series at Cybernation Uncensored. Check out the GM Tips series. Um, lots of helpful things there. Um, but remember, the NPCs can push the plot you know, forward, but they can also throw a wrench in the works and, and cause for some great role play. Um, so you know, definitely give the NPCs depth. Don't just drop in a general idea of an NPC. Don't forget to bring to life each one of those NPCs. NPCs. You know, give them motivations. Give them personality. Um, so when the players engage with them, you're ready to go. And they might not engage with that NPC. And maybe you never got to express that awesome personality you developed, you know? And then you just move that personality to a different NPC and get to use it over there. So everything can be used. You just got to be flexible, move things around when needed. Um, see, PWB, every scene I ask, what makes this scene cyberpunk slash, slash futuristic? You no, know, exactly. And again, like I mentioned earlier, this isn't going to be about theme. This is about campaign building. But um, absolutely. You know, I've got a whole separate thing on how to make it cyberpunk, and I'm doing a tutorial video on that for Cyberpunk Day as well. Um, this I'm trying to keep a little more general for campaign building because although I do run the weekly Cyberpunk Red gameplay here and I run many Cyberpunk Red teams as well as Dune, Fallout, and uh, now Shadows of Asterion coming, uh, this campaign building process can be used for any system, any game, any genre. Obviously I'm going to give some examples leaning towards the Cyberpunk Red side of things. That's what we're running here. Um, but uh, by all means, if you're playing you know, Pathfinder, D&D, uh, Star Trek, any other game or system genre or whatever, <laughs> this, these campaign building steps will help. They will absolutely help you build the campaign. Just alter some of the details to fit your style, your theme. Um, but anyways, let's get back to it. Step four, defining the NPCs. Uh, drop them into each scene. Drop them, uh, wrap them into plot hooks if they need to push the plot forward. Um, just make sure that they're realistic and you put them in there and it makes sense. Um, once you kind of blanket in all these NPCs and you bring the world to life, uh, the fifth step that I like to do is incorporating player life path. Now, sometimes I hesitate on suggesting this because you know it takes an experienced GM uh, to really do this right. Um, I've seen too many times uh, GMs dropping life path stuff to every scene, every campaign, every aspect. You know, one campaign will have that character's ex-lover and this character's business partner and this mysterious AI and this what it's too much if you if you drop in too much life path from the players it'll feel contrived it'll feel too manipulated it'll feel fake you'll lose some of that awesome immersiveness okay so don't incorporate too much player life path but do consider incorporating some by that I mean if you're setting this up, you've defined your theme, your locations, your key points and plot hooks, you've got your NPCs, you know how you're going to push it forward, you know how to move things around depending on player agency, and you're ready to go, make sure you then look at it all and go, okay, cool, like uh, maybe this NPC, or maybe that corporation, or maybe this gang leader can come from one of the character's life path, and not all of them, keep in mind, I said or, I didn't say and, don't do all of them, like I said, it'll, it'll be too much. Just pick like one thing and, and tie in a little player life path. I don't even do that with every session or campaign. It's, it's almost too much for me at that point. Just like I don't tie in too much lore from an actual game. Like in Cyberpunk, I won't drop in too much of like, um, you know, Johnny Silverhand stuff and like, 
um, afterlife. Like, you know, too many popular locations and NPCs and famous lore, if you drop it in, it starts feeling fake. It's not as immersive as, as it doesn't feel like a big world. All of a sudden, you're, you're one of millions that gets to meet the famous person. Like, it's just a little too unrealistic. And in the same breath, I like to say that with uh, incorporating player life path in the campaign building. Uh, don't do it too much. It'll feel a little too fake. So anyways, pick like one thing if you want. Drop a, Tie in a little player life path. It'll help the players kind of be a bit more invested in the campaign, right? Um, but if not, don't worry about it. You can still have them invested when you define the theme. Are they being hired by a fixer for money? Are they owned by a corporation or a crime family that's making them do the gig? Uh, you know, are they just motivated in general just to just to have some action? Maybe they're bored, you know, but you can make it work. But like I said, part five is incorporate player life path. Just use sparingly. Be very careful doing that. Um, the very last step, step six, it's a walkthrough. And I tend to do this at nighttime. You know, I barely sleep. I sleep. Anybody that knows me, I'm all about that, that hashtag team no sleep. Uh, I sleep in little three-hour increments. Uh, maybe I'll get a couple of them within a night, you know, three hours here, get up, work for a few hours, another three hours, get up, start my day. Um, but this always works well for me at night. And one of those little sleep blocks, as I'm, as I'm laying down, falling asleep, um, I'll, and it kind of helps me fall asleep, too. I'll, I'll run through the campaign in my mind. I'll start at the beginning. I've already defined the themes, the plot. I've got it kind of lined out, uh, lined up, uh, all the NPCs, everything, you know, just that we went over all five steps. I'll walk through it. I'll start at the beginning. I'll pretend I'm a player, I'm a character, or I've got a team. And I'll kind of go through each location trying to say, okay, I know this is the job. I've got I've to find this person and, uh, you know, escort them back to the corporation for, the, for this and, you know, or, or get, get them out of this situation or something. I don't know. Um, I'll walk through it. I'll go, okay, cool. I went to the location. Let me kind of picture it. This is how it is. Uh, okay, there's a back entrance. There's this. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe I wouldn't go in the front door. Maybe, maybe I'd be a little sneaky and do it this way. And then you start thinking like how players would. You start thinking of multiple ways to approach it. You start thinking about it like chess, multiple steps ahead, right? You start thinking about the dynamic ways to use these plot hooks and locations and you start thinking outside the box. You start thinking outside of your own mind and the way that you plan the campaign and you start thinking about it as a different person, as one of your players, as a character and you, and you, you look at it from the outside. And it helps you kind of define uh, options. It helps you kind of come up with, uh, like I said, options for when the players throw a wrench in the works. They throw you a curveball and they will. They absolutely will. And this will help you kind of lean into that and work with it and just move forward and keep the game fun. And, and I should have mentioned that earlier. That's the no, number one rule is you should be having fun. So keep the game moving forward at all costs. You know, Don't get hung up on any particular thing and stress out or get locked into rules. If you have to homebrew, you got to streamline certain things, do it. Have fun and make sure it's moving forward. But anyways, that's my last step here is the walkthrough. And I usually do that at night while I'm falling asleep. Like I said, I'll go scene for scene, location for location, figuring out the campaign. And it'll help me just see it from different angles and kind of anticipate different options of ways that players might approach these scenes and these plot hooks and these key points and stuff. Um, let's see, uh, let me make sure I catch up a little bit here with, with chat. Question to Rob in the chat. Have you tried to recycle some elements from Cyberpunk 3.0? If so, which one for me, Riptide is canon and the corporate metal is a secret but growing cult? Yeah, I haven't really incorporated anything. You know, I'm from the 2020 uh, system. You know, that's when I first got into Cyberpunk. And then there was this huge gap for me. Um, then I kind of got back in 
um, to role-playing games years ago, a handful of years ago, and uh, you know was really hyped seeing Red come out. Uh, and you know, I was still doing 2020, then the starter kit uh, came out. I did a combo version of that, then I was lucky enough to get the advanced copy of Red from Art House Running Games, and just have been obsessed with that ever since. But uh, no, I'm not really into you know Cyber Generation 3.0, any other systems pulling into. Um, uh, Cyberpunk Red or anything uh, so much, you know? Um, but, uh, let's see. Oh, I remember those actual plays. Quincy says, yeah, a couple years ago, that was uh, Team Nameless and Team Spicy. I've run, like I said, over 200 uh, live gaming streams of Cyberpunk uh, Red and, and combos there of uh, multiple teams. Now I'm running like five different teams and systems of multiple. Uh, Cyberpunk Red, uh, one monthly Dune, uh, Fallout that's coming back. I just wrapped up that last team. Uh, and Shadows of the Starons, the last uh, Monday of the month. But back to campaign building, all right? So first step is uh, defining that theme, defining the locations. Uh, next, third, define the key points, plot hooks. Fourth, uh, define those NPCs. Five, uh, five, incorporate player life path despairingly. And then sixth, walk through. Test it out. Make sure it works. Make sure that there's no like game-breaking moments where you're like, ah, that's not going to work. Holy cow, I didn't even think about that, but now that I'm walking through it in my mind, I, I completely forgot to think of this aspect of that scene or this aspect of this personality, right? So think of that. Uh, let me go over these. Let me bring up these six points in the overlay so anybody wants to pause the video or write them down. Uh, they can go for that. There we go. There you go. You can pause the video, write them down. You can see here, I'll mention it one more time. Number one, define the theme. Two, define the locations. Uh, maybe you might have maps, in which case you might want to reverse engineer this uh, by the locations based on what maps you have. And you might want to start with that as your step one and then make your step two defining the theme. But for the most part, I define the theme as number one. And number two, define the locations based on my maps. Number three, I define the key points or plot hooks. Place them in there. Number four, I define the NPCs and I blanket those in. Not just the ones that players might work with or that hold key points or plot hooks but also NPCs just to keep the world moving make sure it's a working living breathing world around the characters not just the campaign they're in but outside of that the world needs to function people are working multiple jobs out there uh, there's traffic there's all kinds of stuff going on so define the NPCs in this uh, number five incorporate player life path but like I said use sparingly Maybe just one little aspect from one player, you know, per campaign or something, if even that. Uh, number six, last step, walk through. Make sure you walk through. You kind of test it out in your mind. I typically do that at night, laying down when it's nice and quiet and I'm trying to fall asleep and it's just me and my thoughts. I just get lost in the campaign and I walk through until I fall asleep and I test out every scene and make sure the campaign works. So that's the walk through. Now, let's see here couple things I want to add in here and I want to give you some free gaming assets and then go over some plot twists, uh, concepts, ideas, and methods uh, because if you've seen any of my gameplay you know that I am the master of plot twists and I don't even cringe on calling myself the master of plot twists. Absolutely, I make it my thing. Every campaign I build, every campaign I build, and typically sessions, I put in surprises and plot twists. I think it's important to keep players on their toes. Everyone is so smart and creative, especially when you get into tabletop role-playing games. I feel like it's so easy to kind of figure out where things are going. And you can still have fun with it, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, you're still going to play. There's still going to be great role-play moments and surprising things that come to life. But 
think it's important to really put some effort into that as a game master. And if you, like I said, if you've seen any of my campaigns, any of my teams, you know I, I'm really into plot twists and surprises, you know, rewards and repercussions. Um, I'm not scared to put some heavy, heavy repercussions on a team and see how they get out of it. I think it's important to, to put that tension, that paranoia, those stressful moments on the team, put it in the session, make it real, you know? But, uh, but I also think uh, those plot twists, they, they keep the players on the toes, they keep it entertaining. And if you're streaming, especially do that. Uh, because if you're watching, you want to be surprised. You want to have a good time. If you saw my recent uh, Sirenscape uh, stream, like I said, no spoilers, you know uh, there were some serious plot twists. There were some crazy moments causing some tears. Um, and you're just like, what? And then all of a sudden it's plot twist time and you realize it's epic. It's, it's, it's changed things for seasons. Be like that. Be, be that game master. Go epic. Change things up. Put some crazy plot twists in here. Campaigns. Think unexpected. You know, if you're if you're doing, like I mentioned earlier, just for, for like an example, like you know, they've got to go escort this person. They, they work for this corporation or crime family. They've got to go get this guy. Go find him. Whatever. You know, and they got to go to this place. They find a map. The guy's being stored here, possibly a prisoner. Then you find, oh no, he got out of there. Now he's he's being kept behind here, or maybe no, he's he's faking it. He's with some other people now. He wasn't really captured. He was he was faking it for some whatever reason. You're like, whoa, that's crazy. And then you finally go get him because the corporation's like, the corporation is like, I don't care if he's faking it. Go get him anyways. Then you go there and you realize he's at a bar and he's drunk and he's actually passed out. Now he's dead weight. Now now one of the players has to decide who's carrying him for the rest of the session, the rest of the day. Uh, taking a negative two to all their actions because it's technically a grapple unless they just drop them Maybe doing a little damage to him. Maybe homebrew you drop them to, to, to defend yourself now that he's gonna take like half of your body stat damage Normally when you throw you're taking a full body stat damage to whoever you throw Maybe there's a little homebrew they take like half of that because you're dropping them because they're just dead weight drunk unconscious You see what I'm saying? Throw twists in there and that's just off the top of my head That's just real quick like oh gotta get a person let me think of ways to make that interesting If you sit down and really think about it you can come up with some crazy crazy plot twist, but uh, the more experience you get, you'll just come up with these off the top of your head and you'll be able to kind of work with the player's decision-making mid-session. They might do something and you're like, ah, let me use that. Boom, use it immediately because you think of ideas and you're just good at improv. That's only going to come with experience. However, no matter what, make that a priority. Put some plot twists into your campaigns, put some surprising moments, keep your players on their toes, make sure you incorporate repercussions, and don't be scared to go epic. You know, this is cyberpunk. It's not D&D. It's not high fantasy. Not everybody is a hero. There's no magic heal potions and stuff. Uh, there's a little speed heal. If you know a med tech, they might air hypo. <laughs> Use some speed heal. But you get my point. It's not high fantasy. You're, you're, you're living raw and real. You're keeping it at street level. You know, you're trying to survive and just basically find a spot for yourself in Night City. Keep it real as a GM. Keep it intense. Um, oh, and Quincy Fort. Porter uh, says, rest in peace, David Noir. Yeah, I've had other player uh, deaths in the past and crazy moments. Yeah, I think it's important to keep it intense. Um, so I do. Um, cool. Interest, uh, Stink Pumps is interesting because I frequently start with them uh, in major NPCs, then build a plot around what those NPCs want to do. Exactly. You can reverse engineer your campaign. You know, these, these points here, the ones I'll bring them up one more time. Uh, these six points, you know, they're important to any campaign, right? But it doesn't have to be in that order. Like I said, sometimes I reverse engineer based on what maps I have access to and I, I want to use. Um, you might do that based on what NPCs you want to play. You know, I've had moments before where I was like, oh, I've got this baby prop and I want to make this into uh, a prop in NPCs. If anyone saw the first Don't Have a Cow campaign at Sirenscape when they had to deal with the Nomad uh, couple uh, for the transport to get some info. 
and I had the baby, you know, and the, the wife's holding it, talking to the husband, and I drop it, and I talk to the husband and pull it back up. And talk, like, I totally wanted to build that scene around those because I had the baby prop from some film I was working, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun, you know? So I kind of made that scene fun based on reverse engineering to have those NPCs part of that plot hook, that, that plot point to push it forward. Um, so absolutely, you can uh, reverse engineer uh, based on any one of these points, whether it's based on a location, a map you have, or an NPC. Uh, Stink Palm, I loved that scene, he says. Hell yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I had a great time with that. PWB says, how much planning do you do, Rob? Do you plan just for a few hours of play? Um, it would surprise people to know I barely plan. I, you know, I, I, I follow these key six steps typically when I line up a campaign and I'll make my notes. Uh, but moving forward, I, I'm so very much into improv. Uh, I lean on my experience, my years of experience as a game master, my creative thinking, the fact I'm hypomanic and my mind just works fast. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just good at that sort of stuff. So uh, it, I do very little planning. I find that when I do a lot of planning, too heavy of planning, um, I, I, I lose too much. I have to get some of those things and move them to future campaigns because the players, uh, uh, player agency just ended up not going to that location and talking to them missing that thing. And then I've got to move it to make it work. And stuff. I would much rather line up my plot hooks, my, you know, my location stuff. I have them in mind. I know what I'm going to use. And then just kind of describe them and go with it. See what the players do, what they say. And then I, I respond. I, I add repercussions and rewards. And I mean, you even see on mine, I put the, the points on the stream where people can, uh, you know, give a plus two and negative two, a positive or negative plot twist. Uh, they get a phone call, enter an NPC. Um, you know, I'm good at improv. So I like to just keep it moving, keep it flexible and flowing, and just work with whatever the players are doing. Um, let's see, Quincy Fortis is a. One of my biggest plot twists was the kidnapper of the client the players were supposed to escort to college was actually a alternate personality, alternate alternate personality paying another team of runners to free the client from uh, smothering parental influence. Nice. I uh, know yeah, I love doing that too. Like where all of a sudden the person doing the job is actually part of the job, or uh, the person you're going. Uh, to escort or get or kill or murder or item as part of the job is now actually kind of leading that or part of an alternate job that's still within that same sort of campaign path. Um, yeah, it's a great twist when you can do stuff like that. Um, I also use that in my Ghost Town session to kind of get the team into Arasaka because while they were kind of rescuing their Poe out in the little brain dance situation where they had all the people in the brain dances and were extracting info. Um, they also rescued this other Arasaka operative that got them in with Arasaka and the Hawk faction got rushed to fix them with them that got them into the crazy brainwash situation they're in now for the past few seasons. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I love stuff like that. Uh, but main point here, plot twist it up, twist it up, put some surprises in there, keep the players on their toes, entertain people watching, have fun with it. Be creative. Make it as real as possible when it comes to that. Now, I went over the six points. I went over the ideas of plot twists and stuff. Let's get into some free assets and some things to help you make these campaigns as good as they can be. Now, I've created a quick campaign builder. Like I said, I have a GM Tips episode. It's like the very first episode I did on the GM Tips series on the Cybernation Uncensored YouTube channel. You can go find it there. Um, however, this was much, uh, much more of a deep dive into that same six-point quick campaign builder, and it's going to include my actual gaming asset for quick campaign building, which I created after I did that Gene Tricks episode, so I never got to incorporate it into that, but I'm going to incorporate it into this one. So, 
if you go to this link here, I'm gonna drop this link into chat. You'll be able to download this quick campaign builder for free. There you go, there's the link in chat. So you'll be able to go there, you'll see, in fact, you might, I don't know if the, the video's there, but, um, but you'll be able to download the quick campaign builder. Let me bring it up here and let's go over it. I'll give you a second, if anybody wants to just download that, go for it. You can always download it later too, you know? Later, download it after the stream. Uh, for, for the sake of it, you know, just look at the stream. I, I pulled it up, this is what you're gonna download anyways. This is a quick campaign builder. Author Jim Rob Mulligan plots and locations. Let's get into it. The first thing, this is pretty much just rolling a D10 and setting up your campaign based on these things. And then you can go in and define the details um, as you go or afterwards. But the first thing you do is you define a simple plot. This is kind of uh, kind of following the six-step process with just a couple little key points that you'll define in that normally you would define on your own, like mind's eye as you're taking those six points. This kind of lays it out in chart form, so you don't have to think it out. You can actually just roll it out. Here you go, simple plot. You roll a 1d10. Maybe it's you have to kill a character. You have to escort a character. You have to do a robbery in a location. You have to steal items or goods. You have to investigate a character, rescue a character, sabotage a location, investigate a location, transaction or offload items or goods, recruit or bribe a character. Then, once you get that, you'll see they're kind of color-coded here, right? You see yellow, blue, purple. And you see the little bold, right? Character, location, item, slash goods, character, location, item, slash goods. That's going to take you to the second part. That's going to take you to the second part. And we'll get back to that, that plot complication, okay? You can see that right there, but we'll get to that next. So let's say in the simple plot, you land on character. That first one, kill or escort a character, investigate a character, rescue a character. You're basically on character. Well, then you would go down, you'd scroll down to the character section and you roll another D10. And you basically end up with either a cop, a lawman, a booster gangman, netrunner, uh, corporate, you see them there, celebrity, nomad, 10 options, bunch of options. And you can come up with more, you know, elaborate on that. And then I like to kind of define the character's attitude, just to give, give it a little spice. You know, do they trust you? Are they generally disliking you? Do they want you dead? Uh, do they trust your decisions? And that'll really put a wrench in the works if they're trying to escort someone that wants them dead, right? They've got to escort this person as they, they want to kill the people escorting them, maybe. Or maybe they don't trust the people trying to escort them. Or you got to kill someone, uh, you know, that considers you a business partner or trusts in your decisions, you know, and you got to kind of double cross. You get the point here. You basically set up the character's attitude by rolling another D10. You now, if, you know, while you, you did that first part, Maybe you land on location. You got that robbery location or sabotage location or investigate. Then you'd go down to the location section right here. And you'd roll another 1D10. Maybe it's a movie studio, a nightclub, or a police station. Whatever it is, you got them right there. So you basically hit up your location. Then you roll another D10 to drop in some location complications. Just like I said about the, the character uh, uh, plot complications. You can put a little location complication just like character attitude. Maybe it's heavily fenced perimeter. Maybe it's a no-gun zone. Maybe, maybe it's robbed and vandalized by a character already. You see that option, which you'd go back to your character chart, roll a character, put some attitude. There's a little uh, wrench in the works, right? Maybe it's a, a, a celebrity sighting or a pop-up concert at the time that you get to that location. You get the point. You add, add some location complications. Then let's say uh, you roll on steal an item or goods or transaction offload item or goods. And, you know, just like before, you, you scroll down and you get to your items and goods section of the chart. So basically you roll another 1d10 
and you end up with your items or goods based on the first plot that you set up. Maybe it's weapons, maybe it's biological samples, maybe it's cyberware, whatever it is, you got it there. And then you, you get your condition, because that can, again, throw some little details into that plot. It can really add some complications, possibly. Maybe it's a low-grade, cheap materials, functional, utilitarian. Maybe it's something in great condition or brand new. Maybe it's a, a one-of-a-kind, top quality, you know, to where when you got it and you're supposed to transport it or offload it, uh, you have trouble holding on to it because it's so one-of-a-kind, like everyone's after it. Now you've got you got people chasing you down. You get the point. You get the point. Now let, let's go back to that that uh, plot com complications here because we went over if you roll in your simple plot, you know, character or location or items and goods, but also put in a plot complication. This is just a blanketed on top of the general concept here okay so once you have it laid all out you know all your parts and you, you've got your you know what the plot is whether it's location character you got your complications or the character personality go back and roll on that plot complication chart right there roll your 1d10 see if it's you know they know you're coming or you're on your own or an area is patrolled by police or Maybe there's a flash flood, heavy rain, or heavy fog. Maybe the area loses electricity and the power's out, and you don't even have infrared or you know any smart uh, smart glasses or smart goggles or whatever. And, you know, you've got no thermo. And now there's no light. You got to deal with that. You get the point there. Maybe there's a character hunting you. You see that top one? If you roll a one, you need to go to find the character, to find the personality. You know, may maybe there's top of this plot on top of this campaign there's this just little mini side arc thing where this character's hunting you during this whole process and maybe that's where you tie in a little life path from one of the characters like i said before on the, the part of uh, i think it's step five of incorporating life path uh, you sparingly maybe this is the one time you kind of tie that in if you land on that character is hunting you, you just add that in or maybe that's the character when you did the location complication that already robbed and vandalized maybe you show up and they've already robbed everything and it's someone that hates you or somebody you work with and you don't want to dick them over and take their items that you're, you're, you're have to do for, you have to do for your campaign. You see how this can really lay out some complications, add some depth to the campaign, make it interesting, make it difficult, you know? It might be difficult. It might, you know, uh, require the players to really have to figure it out. How are they going to get through this? But I'm telling you, that's where the fun is. When you make it difficult, it makes it more fun. You know, don't get don't get that twisted. Don't 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 be confused by making things difficult on your players. Keep it cyberpunk. Make it make it dangerous. You know, so lean into that. But anyways, that's the quick campaign builder. Again, I'm gonna drop this link right there in chat, so you can go download it. We'll make sure it's in the description on the VOD. Um, get yourself that quick campaign builder. You can write down my six steps that I went over previously. But get that little quick campaign builder. You never know when you want to just roll on that and lay out. Uh, a quick little session or a one-shot or something that maybe you'll elaborate on. Maybe you'll use the quick campaign builder that in like a three-step process to make a big, big, larger campaign. Uh, or you'll use that to kind of uh, drop a co component into the campaign that you've already laid out using that six-step process I went over earlier. You get my point. You have many options here. Okay, the next thing I want to go over... Oh, let me make sure I don't miss any of these chat questions. I just noticed we got, we got a few things here. Let's see. Um... Uhime, how long did it take you to get used to instances where players take a direction maybe you didn't expect or plan ahead for? I've been curious how quickly you learned to adjust the story. Um, for me, it, it you know, it, kind of right from the beginning, if you watch my team name list, my team spicy, my original streams, 
Um, I'm just really good at improv, and I think that that comes from just having the gift of gab uh, in the filmmaking industry. I, I, you know, I'm a director, a writer, an actor, um, but I'm a producer, so I'm really good at connecting dots and just making things happen. Um, and I've done that with my music career because aside from you know writing all the music, I would book you know the tours and work on the, the marketing, and um, you know I just I'm, I'm a modern day Renaissance man, man a bit, you know, for lack of words, and. Um, yeah, uh, I, I lean into that, you know, I've got great stage presence because of being a touring musician for so many years back in the day um, and putting out albums and stuff, which you can hear a lot of my music in the Sirenscape, Cyberpunk Red sound sets. But, um, but I think uh, because of all those sort of skills in the different entertainment industries and just kind of having those skills and, and improv and stuff and just thinking fast, you know, being a bit hypomanic helps. Um, yeah, because of all that, it didn't take me long at all to kind of... Uh, deal with player uh, decisions and I do it quick on the fly like uh, it was just in Team Veritas you know they're at a bar they're trying to get this fixer and I, I had some drunk girls kind of messing with the guy and as just like a little wrench in the works messing with the guy as he's trying to get to the fixer and then he, he thought he's being clever like oh you know uh, just go, go get a drink uh, at, at the bar you know on Babyface's tab Babyface was the fixer he's trying to get to um, so the girls went and did that so I thought in my mind okay let me use that against them so they went down there they tried to put it on Babyface's tab and the bartender's like no you can't do that he looks at Babyface trying to get approval. He's up on a balcony. He's like, what? No, I don't know those chicks, what this is about. Now all of a sudden it's this chaotic moment. The girls are now mad at the, the media on uh, the character uh, you know, who just sent them down there, Looper, the media, uh, for Team Veritas. So now he's got to deal with that. Then when he walks out of the club, uh, the owner who was, uh, he was being filmed by them at a previous location recognized him because the girls came out, started messing with him. Hey, uh, I, I couldn't get that drink on that tab. You lied. And they're all drunk. And now the fixer notices them. Hey, you're the guy that was filming me at that last location. So, like, just things like that. You know, look look at how uh, Team Nevermore uh, recently when they were in the club. And, um, you know, I had the guys just kind of staring, uh, you know, just to add a little tension, a little paranoia. And, of course, the rocker boy took the bait, you know, leaned into it. So I quickly came up with a story of how they might be mad at the rocker boy for stealing their ex-lovers out of gig or something, right? Um, and then when the rocker boy decided to talk some ish to him, you know, and, and be a little aggressive, I quickly was like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's fight and stuff. And, uh, you know, I have, we'll see how this goes. And then when I realized the team forgot to check for security cams, I was like, ah, Okay, let's drop this repercussion. All of your agents go off. An emergency broadcast. Wow, a death just happened at a, at a local club uh, in, uh, where was it? In Little Europe uh, tonight. And, you know, we found this security footage. And I had everybody roll to see which ones were unlucky enough to be on the footage. So now they're kind of, there's a little APB on them looking for them in that district. Um, so you get my point. Is uh, When you have the experience and you think fast and you're just that, that sort of creative mind, um, you can just roll with things fast. The second players make decisions, you just kind of know how to use that. How to use that information against them or for the plot or, or just use it, make it part of the story. And um, yeah, simplify. Uh, yeah, it did not take me long at all to uh, basically get into that and expect ahead or plan ahead or just be ready to kind of improv. Um, the only way anybody can learn that, honestly, like if you don't have you know that producer experience that stage presence you know you're not a touring musician or a filmmaker or you don't you've never acted or, or you know um got into that creative end of things for improv right if you don't have any of those sort of skills built in or, or learned or, or, or practiced um it will just take general experience at being a game master just run more games be a game master more and uh you'll learn to kind of roll with player agency um and and, that, and again that's why i do very little planning 
uh, to go back on PWD's question too. You know, once you get to that point, to kind of make your outline, your bullet points, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, your, your campaigns that you lay out will literally look like this. You know, they'll just be a sheet um, with your bullet points for an entire campaign. And you'll print out each one uh, and just make your little notes and stuff based on the previous session so you don't lose things, names and things that have happened, right? Um, but I, I feel like the better you get at improv, the better you get at just rolling with player agency, the less you have to plan. You can map out your, your general plot and stuff. You can have your great plot twist and surprises ready to go. Uh, but you don't really know where or when you're going to drop them. You don't even know if you're going to use all of them. You're just going to kind of get this going and see what happens based on what the players do. Um, but again, that, that's only going to come with experience. Um, so whether you have experience in other sort of industries and things that will help, like I do, um, that kind of got me into this, and then now I'm, you know, 200 plus live stream uh, uh, under my belt, live streams as a game master. Uh, you know, if you don't have all that, then just get into it. Start being a game master. Start running teams and getting that experience because that's the only way it's going to happen. Um, let's see, PWB, you mentioned twists, but what are some of the canon events you do don't use? I use a COVID event instead of the fourth corporate war to explain the global logistical unreliability. That's funny. No, that's cool. Yeah, uh, use real life stuff. I tend to not pull in too much real life stuff. I don't like uh, too much politics or real life uh, stuff. I want, you know, this is a, tabletop role playing games are a bit of therapy for me. I like to get out of reality and kind of get into these fake worlds and situations, right? And just live it. So I don't really use too much there. And again, like, uh, Canon events, like, yeah, it's not. I'm not. I'm not going to pull them in as a twist. A lot of my plot twists are going to be, you know, su surprises in the plot, in the story, an NPC, something uh, within the world at hand. I'm not going to pull it in from real world stuff like that. Quincy um, Forder says uh, a great setting that was added recently was the Elf Online Guide. It, it has great potential for interesting adventure, if not campaigns, but back and forth, meat world, and the game. Exactly. And that's important, too, you know? Like, uh, don't forget, in Cyberpunk Red, anyways, uh, you know, they got to deal with the meat world uh, while they're in the net, so incorporate that. And Elflines does have a lot of uh, cool ideas for that. PWD, sorry if I'm off topic. No problem. I, I know those questions were coming in when I was going over the campaign builder. I just didn't want to get to them until I was done. I wanted to stay on point, stay with the campaign builder, get all through that. Now I'm diving into the questions. So I understand that. And, and I appreciate you uh, understanding that too. Uh, let's see here. Prince of Order for the biological sample, the live sample of the sea plague. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, plot twist. Um, you know, my original Don't Have a Cow campaign for Sirenscape, they had to figure out what was causing that designer plague breakout, right? Um, and they had to get a sample of it. By the time they went through all the different locations and plot twists and things, they finally get to this laboratory. Um, and my plot twist there, my little surprise they had to deal with was that the sample, for them to get a sample all the way back to Night City, and they're all the way over in the Dixie, over by uh, Neo, Neo Orleans or whatever. Um, Neo Nola, I called it. Um, they're way over there. Now they got to travel all the way back to Night City, bring in a sample of this designer plague. But then they find out when you're at the lab, uh, you know, it's a work in progress. It's not stable. So the only way that this plague, uh, this designer plague sort of virus is stable is when it's currently being hosted in a living organism over a thousand pounds. This is why there's this whole paddock in the back of this laboratory holding all this cattle, all these cows infected with this, this designer plague. They're all like leaking black and it's very contagious. So they have to put on these hazmat suits and now they have to transport a cow living and keep it alive. The whole transport back to Night City. 
to get a, a living working sample of this plague back there. So there's an example. I'm glad that you mentioned a biological sample, a live sample of the sea plague. Yeah, exactly. So that, that was the idea there is uh, they had to transport it and the twist was that it was only kept stable in a living organism over a thousand pounds. Um, all right, cool. I think I'm caught up with questions. Let's go to the next part. Uh, I want to give you a couple more free things, a couple more gaming assets. Here's the next one. Um, this is the GM report card. Now, I don't know if you, you, you've checked it out yet. Um, I've had this on the site for a while. I need to update uh, some of the stuff. I know, I know some of the logos are, are the old brand, but let me put, the, let me put the, the link there in chat. There you go. Now, this is the GM report card. This isn't, this isn't particular to campaign building, but take a look at it for a moment. This is for increasing your GM skills. This is generally for becoming a better game master. I don't give this report card out to all my players every single session or anything like that. Um, I would typically give this to all my players at the end of a campaign to get a little feedback, get a little direction, get a little uh, uh, idea of what I should improve on and where I'm already good. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I've even gotten to the point now with like I said, over 200 sessions, all the different teams I run. I don't, I don't do the GM report card at the end of every campaign. I'll do it maybe every few campaigns or so, and um, you know, on some of my teams, and I'll float around. Otherwise, I'll, I'll get too slammed with too many to go over because of how many teams I run. But, um, but this is the GM report card. I recommend go download it. The link is right there. Um, you basically give this out, like I said, at the end of a campaign to all your players. I would suggest have one player be the one that's going to get them all from all the other players once they're filled out and then email them to you. That way you don't have individuals emailing it and then you know who gave you what. You want this to be anonymous. You want the players to give you honest feedback and you don't want to know who said what. You just want to take that general feedback and get a consensus on things you should improve on or, or focal points to direct your campaigns towards because it's what your players want. And let's face it, the number one rule is have fun, so it should matter to you what the players want. Um, so check it out. Here's the GM report card. Let's just go through this, and I'm going to lightly go through it. You're going to see there's all these different questions and key points here to get feedback, and I have the feedback as either well done or more please. I don't like to put any negative stuff like, uh, you know, rating one to five, or I didn't like it or anything. I just either want someone to say, hey, well done. You did a great job at this, or more please. I want more of that. You know what I mean? So it's either describing people, places, or things, using voices and accents, uh, your gameplay pacing, maybe it's your metagaming, maybe it's level of overall fun, maybe it's the attention to each character. You see all these key points here, and I'm just kind of skimming through some of them. Um, implementing rules efficiently. You can basically see there's, there's all these different things here, and some like gameplay pacing, too much, too fast, just right, too little, too slow. Metagaming, too much, just right, too little. You get the point. Uh, keeping the game an open world. Well done. Or more, please. So that's the idea with the GM report card is it's giving you feedback. Give it out Give it out to all your players at the end of a campaign. Decide which player is going to collect them all and get them to you to keep them anonymous. Um, the second half to this GM report card. Um, now this is a little more, uh, well, it's going to feel a little more focused towards Cyberpunk Red, obviously. But like I said, these tips can be manipulated to fit any tabletop role-playing game. So don't think that this can only be Cyberpunk Red. Feel free to take the GM report card and alter this section to fit your game, particular system. So check it out. This is where you just want the players to check off, you know, any, some, one, all, whatever they want more of. So this is a section where it's like, you know, what do you want more?
more of. So let's, let's look at it. You can see here it's action and combat, or maybe they want more puzzles and mystery. They want more comedy. They want more violence and gore. They want more thugs and henchmen or corporate assassins. Maybe they want more NPCs. They want more uh, air themes, sea themes, other countries, more gangs, more life path usage. Maybe you were a little too sparingly on incorporating life path, like I suggested. Maybe they want a little more of that, you know? So anyways, you get the point. That's basically how you use the GM report card. You send that out to all your players at the end of a campaign. You decide which player is going to collect them all and get them to you. That way it remains anonymous. And you just take that as, as a constructive criticism. You want this to be good feedback that you can use to make better campaigns to make sure that the game is fun for all your players. Uh, and don't get me wrong, when, you know, the more you play, the more you get to know your players, the more you're going to read body language, you're going to get a feel for what people like and dislike as you're playing, you're going to feel certain scenes, you know, make the players light up and go, oh my god, that was amazing, or they're going to kind of go, mm, I didn't like that, or you know, you're going you're gonna to read that body language, and, you know, I've studied books on reading body language and things like that, I would suggest that it would be helpful, but naturally you're going to learn that from your players the more you play with them, the more you hang out and you get to know them and you become friends, the more you're just, you're just going to, you're going to naturally know what they're feeling and how, how they're liking or disliking your campaign and lean into that, make notes of that, make sure everyone's having fun and you're keeping campaign to campaign, it's improving and you're, you're constantly progressing, don't be easily satisfied. Being easily satisfied causes stagnant behavior and stagnant games, just boring times. Frack that. Put some effort into it. Become a better GM. So anyways, aside from reading the players and just naturally kind of picking up on that, and uh, and be careful. I know everyone thinks that they're really good at that. Everyone will tell you, oh, I'm really good at reading people. Oh, I'm, I'm so good at, I know, like everyone thinks that. So be careful that you don't fall into that um, and just assume that you're good at that and you're not. Like, be careful. Everyone thinks that they're really good at reading people. Not everyone is. Um, hence the GM report card. Maybe start with that, get some feedback, and see if you were reading the room right. You know, maybe you got a feel for things, but then you give out the GM report card, get actual feedback, direct feedback from the team, and you kind of get a consensus between this. Like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should kind of focus on this a little. Maybe I'm putting a little too much effort over here because they're saying they want less of that. You, you get the point. So there you have it. There's the GM report card. I'll drop the link one more time um, just so we got it there in chat. And again, we'll put these links in the VOD in the description. Now, um, there's one other thing I want to go over, but let me just catch up on chat real, real quick here. Let's see, Quincy Forder says, sorry boss, um, <laughs> sorry boss, I lost the cow. On, on unrelated topic, uh, what did you think of the steaks we had at lunch? Oh no, oh no. Um, if you watched that, that stream, uh, that started a drinking game anytime things were mentioned about the bathroom or having problems with bathroom issues, you know? Uh, it was like drink, and it, oh man, we couldn't get away from that toilet humor for like so many seasons. It took forever to get away from that, and uh, that's so funny you say that. Like, what did you think of the steaks we had at lunch? Uh, wow, that's going to cause some bathroom problems right away. Okay, next question. You say, just thought of something uh, for NPC. Have the players meet Rebecca. Yes, that Rebecca, who turns, <laughs> who turns to be much older than anybody would guess. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and see... That's fun. Uh, if your players are like that, you're like that, you want to incorporate stuff like that, go for it. For me, um, I don't want to incorporate too much lore like that. I feel like when you get into like real famous NPCs and characters, it feels a little too phony. All of a sudden, you're playing the the video game in tabletop role-playing, and you're playing the Edge Runners uh, Netflix series um, in your game, and it just feels weird. Um, I would rather it be more of a real big open world 
where like, you I mean, your chances of running across that famous person is going to be very slim. You know? Just like in real life. Like, how often are you going to run into, like, Keanu Reeves? You, you know what I mean? So, like, play the game like that, too. I think so, anyways. Unless, like I said, maybe you get feedback on that GM report card where they want more of that. They want more canon lore. They want more famous NPCs and things like that. In which case, yeah, work that in. Lean into that. If that makes the game more fun for you and the team, make it more fun. Because, you know, that's all that matters is that you and the team are having fun. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, keep that in mind with all that. All, all of my opinions when it comes to that. That's, that's my gameplay style. That's what I've found to work for me and most of my teams and each of my team is a little bit different on how I run it how I work it, and it's going to be that way with you uh, pay attention to all your players and uh, that GM report card will help you uh, get started with that getting some honest feedback okay the the last thing I want to kind of put out here um, oh PWB says I run alternate characters and locations for the famous NPCs and places nice yeah exactly um, change it up a little bit you know um, if you're going to drop it in you know, make it your own I like that idea that's cool um, last thing I'm going to put out there, um, I've given you some free gaming assets, you know, I went over the six point campaign building system I use, uh, it's in my GM tips on the Cybernation Uncensored YouTube channel, you can see it there, but this was way more elaborate, um, this was, I, you know, I, I definitely did a deep dive on those six points, a bit more here, so this was much better, um, you got more of the tips here, so I went over those six points, then, let's not forget, I gave you the quick campaign builder, um, that can be used with or on its own. Uh, to help you build a campaign use those six steps or use that quick campaign builder or use both like I said building sessions of a full campaign or a full campaign in parts however you want to use it it's there it's free um, and it works you just got to you know add details elaborate on some of those key points that you rolled up for your campaign the other thing I gave you was the GM report card it's not necessary uh, for building a campaign but it, it will give you some honest feedback from your players that will help you build your next campaign uh, more in line with what's going to make your players happy right to have more fun so use that gm report card now the last thing that i'm going to give you uh i run a patreon uh, you might have heard me shout out my supporters on patreon on the cybernation uncensored streams i usually shout out a lot of them on the live streams um, i also have a lot of like live gameplay that you can buy seats at my table um and you can create npcs for some of the campaigns um there's, there's options there if you haven't seen it go check it out check out the cybernation uncensored page on patreon um one of the things that I had on there, um, I think I'm bringing it back, If I, I think I took it down or I combined it uh, with the group session, was um, helping you build your campaign, giving you a free, uh, a little consult consultation basically um, that you could get on Patreon, where I would sit down with you for 30 minutes to an hour and go through your campaign that you have mapped out and just kind of troubleshoot it with you, help you define it a little, help you construct it a little better or change things or add things or just just get a third-party mind on there that has some experience as a game master with some great plot twists right um, what I want to give everyone here that's watching this whether you're here on the live or you're watching the VOD is a free consultation um, I usually sell this on my patreon but uh, everyone here on the live everyone uh, watching the VOD uh, hit me up I might not be able to get to you immediately uh, schedule you in uh, don't get me wrong I'm gonna reply to everyone immediately I'm always online I'm very communicative uh, if you've ever chatted with me or seen any of my pages that I run, um, I'm, I'm a freaking machine when it comes to uh, pushing forward online and just being present every day at any given time. So hit me up. I will absolutely reply right away. Um, the part that I'm referring to that might not happen right away is scheduling it in. I have so many live streams, consultations, all kinds of meetings and different things I do, but I will absolutely get you in. I will positively schedule you a free consultation 
minimum 30 minutes, maximum 60 minutes. Uh, map out the campaign that you want to go over with me. We'll hop on a, a free video chat and I'll go over your campaign with you and I'll help you troubleshoot parts. I'll give you feedback on different parts. Um, I'll contribute ideas. Uh, you can ask questions. I'll basically just uh, give you a free consultation. I'll be there to help you with your campaign in person in a live video. So I'm giving you that for free. Anybody watching this live stream or the VOD. So hit me up, take advantage of that. Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere that you see CyberNation Uncensored online. Uh, our Discord is a great place to start. Uh, we're very active there. You can message me direct. Um, you can also hit up anyone from my team. If you see uh, Udahime anywhere online, she's uh, our community manager. Uh, hit her up. If you see Maz, uh, they're our brand manager. Kevin, the Wookie Kev, he's our, uh, one of our brand managers. Alex, uh, right there. Alex is my name right there. Uh, in chat, you see he's our promotion manager. Hit up anyone from the team. Uh, hit up Brandon or Rockette. They're uh, uh, my producing partners. Um, if you can't get me direct, hit up anybody and they'll get you in touch with me and I'll get you a free consultation for your campaign. So there you have it. There you have it. We went over the six points of campaign building. You have the quick campaign builder asset. You have the, the GM report card asset. And now you've got a free consultation from GM Rob Mulligan. There you go. All right. I hope everyone appreciates that. Let me just double check uh, any questions in chat. Uh, before we kill this transmission. Let's see, Alex says, join the community. There, See, there's my promotion manager putting in the work already, telling people to join the community. I love it. Uh, Quincy Forder, any expiration date for that offer? No, not at all. I'm, ta I'm taking a bit of a break for health reasons, but I intended to return to, to playing sometime next year. Hey, I'm sorry to hear about uh, for health reasons. I hope you feel better soon. Um, and absolutely, if you need a break for any health reasons, take that break. You know, health first, family first. We always say that. Uh, here at Sirenscape and Cybernation Uncensored, you know, we have a great time putting out content, gameplay, series, all this stuff, but um, absolutely, family and health first. Uh, take care of yourself, Quincy, and then uh, hit me up anytime. Uh, chronic asthmatic bronchitis. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Um, yeah, definitely get through that, and uh, no problem. There's no expiration on this. Anybody watching uh, this VOD, keep that in mind. You might watch this VOD uh, months from now. Hit me up. Like I said, it might, it might take me a minute to schedule you in but I got you. If you've seen this VOD, you've seen this live stream, you want my help, I will help you for free. So hit me up. Uh, that offer stands. Stands the test of time. <laughs> All right, cool. I think, I think we nailed it. Uh, this is the last call for any questions. Get them in chat right now if you've got any more. Quincy Ford, Ford says, Preems. Hell yeah. No problem. I appreciate it. Anything I can do to help the community look. I started uh, CyberNation Uncensored years ago. I had such great feedback from the community. It's been growing and building nonstop since day one. And now I'm working with so many great brands like um, Fantasy Grounds and Sirenscape. In fact, let's take a moment. Let's take a moment. Since this is campaign building, I think it's important to mention a couple things here. You know, Sirenscape, use the tool in your campaigns. It'll help bring it to life, right? Uh, check out Fantasy Grounds if you use any type of virtual tabletop. Uh, Fantasy Grounds is amazing. You can set up your NPCs, your maps, your little encounters. That will absolutely help your campaign flow and just be uh, so much more fluid so you're not thinking about it on the spot. You can kind of pre-set up encounters and NPCs that you can lean on when you need them in Fantasy Grounds. Sirenscape will absolutely set moods so you can like put it in a city, put it in a hot zone. Oh, a gunfight? Quick gunfight sounds. It just helps set the mood that'll make that scene be that much more fun. Look at cosplay. A lot of people overlook um, cosplay and mood lighting and role playing. 
Encourage your players to really talk in their character. Don't describe like their character in third person. Encourage them to speak in the character's voice as first person. Encourage them to cosplay. Set a little mood lighting. Just anything you can do to help set the mood of your game. For me, you know, cyberpunk. I'm going to put crazy overlays. I'm going to put my neon blinking tie on, right? I'm going to put some blue or red lights on. I'm going to speak in NPC voices. And uh, I'm going to encourage my players to rock cosplay. If you've seen any of my teams, you know. Uh, my team, my players are amazing. They get into cosplay. They speak in voice. Um, they're they're role playing the scenes out in character. That helps. So keep all that in mind. That will absolutely help your campaign. Um, so I, I, I wanted to mention that too. Um, so yeah, there you have it. You know, you've, you've got the uh, the quick campaign builder. You've got the six points. You've got the GM report card. You got a free uh, consultation from me. Uh, you've got some extra little tips and advice there. Use Sirenscape. Use Fantasy Grounds. Get your players to cosplay role play speaking voice all that stuff will make such a better game and campaign it'll make such a uh, a better time at the table you know what i mean um all right let me make sure i'm not missing any uh questions is it compatible with unreal or genetic fdx models Ooh, i'm not i'm not tech savvy enough to know we'll have to check it yeah check that out for yourself because i'm not tech savvy enough to know that the details of the programming or any of that sort of stuff i just know it it's, it's definitely uh, deep. It has all, all the mods and plugins that you need from the official game sets that get right into your campaigns that you build on Fantasy Grounds. Um, and, you know, you can load in maps and art and pretty much manipulate the program to do anything you want. Um, you know, it, there, there's a lot to it. Uh, they even have a whole community uh, that help, like a whole community of people that help you learn how to use it because there's so many cool tools and, and things that you can do with it. PWB says, thanks, Rob. Good stream. Time for me to get back into the GM's chair. Nice. Quincy Forder says, thanks for all the advices. Hey, it sounds like we did a good job here. Um, I really appreciate everyone from, for tuning in, being part of it, contributing ideas and questions to chat, uh, keeping the stream flowing. Uh, it really does mean a lot. You know, uh, I put this together last minute because we couldn't do our normal gameplay. And, um, you know, I, I feel like it went very well. Uh, I got to go over the six points, got to give away the campaign builder, the GM report card, got to give away a free consultation, even give a couple plugs for some brands that deserve it, that'll help your gameplay be more immersive. Um, and like I said, I got to answer a bunch of questions from chat, as well as get like little uh, tips and advice there too. Very cool. Uri Hime says, awesome stream. Thanks so much. I'll see you back at home at Cybernation Uncensored. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much uh, it for the stream. Let me... Uh, let me kill the sirenscape sounds, take the tone down just a moment. And once again, just thank everyone for tuning in. Make sure that you subscribe and you follow to Sirenscape here on Twitch, also on YouTube. Uh, and tune in every week, Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard. We play our Cyberpunk Red. Unless, you know, something happens like today, in which case we might do something a little unique and special like this stream. So always tune in every Thursday. Also make sure you show me some love over, over at Cybernation Uncensored. Uh, we're doing a lot over there, and I would really appreciate you uh, to be part of it. All right, cool. Thanks so much, everybody. I'll see you next time.